25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Got a little football in here, you bet. Countdown of 100 teams today. We're at 89 days from right now until August the 31st. Less than 90 days, people. Welcome in. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents that you get to deal with one-on-one, face-to-face. Somebody you know personally, one-on-one, face-to-face. True story. Just last week, I was um, spending some time with, working on a few things with uh, some of the Farm Bureau agents in Grenada. And two days later, I was walking through the stands there at Swayze Field in Oxford on Friday night for that baseball game and there they were. Ran into them right there. It's the same people. They are the hometown folks. Just right up the road from Grenada. And then the exact same thing happened on Saturday at Duty Noble Field in Starkville. <laughs> Turn the corner. Boom. There's a, there's a Farm Bureau agent. It's just the way it works. And uh, good, good, good folks at Farm Bureau. The kind of people you want to do business with. Phone line is open to you. Give me a shout. 995-1059. That's the Divini phone. Wide open. 601-995-1059. A couple of texts to get to on the text line at 885-ESPN. Going to do that. Uh, let's see. Who's first? Sean. I got it now. Text from Sean. This is Sean, big longtime state fan. Just wanted to say, I don't know what the brackets look like, but how awesome would it be for state? And he says TSUN in his text uh, to meet in Omaha for the national championship. And Jake Mangum, Mr. Rebel Killer himself, wind up hitting a game winner. Be a great send off for the greatest hitter of all time and a perfect ending to his illustrious career. The last month had not been illustrious at all for Jake. You know, he, yes, he set the. SEC all-time hits record and some other things. You know, he's moving up the all-time list nationally. I think he's now in fifth place all-time nationally in terms of hits in a career. A lot of those things. But there for a month or so, I mean, he, he was scuffling big time. Just couldn't find a hole, popping a ball up. You know, it happens in baseball. It just happens. No way to explain it sometimes. But he evermore busted out of it last night with three hits. The first one, a chopper in the infield, it got him going. 
I said for in my conversations for a week leading up to it, I'm not a baseball coach, but he needs to go bunt for a base hit. That'll get him going. Well, essentially what happened, it was a swinging bunt. He winds up on first base. Then his next time up, bang, line drive in the left. Another hit later in the game, a rope in the center field and drove in a run. So he appeared to be back. Westberg swinging a hot bat. Made great contact at the right time in the ball game last night. And um, so he's out of it. And after the game last night, they talked about that a little bit. Okay, so if you're just tuning in, a little bit ago, I played for you the post-game press conference with Mike Bianco and uh, Thomas Diller and the folks from Ole Miss. Let's switch it over and do State now. So Chris Lamonis, after the game, sitting at the podium, the official NCAA tournament post-game interview, and players. And you had Jake Mangum there. You also had Rowdy Jordan. Rowdy Jordan, the left fielder for State, was named the MVP of the regional. What a turnaround for him. Started the year as cold as he could have possibly been. Down there below 200 and then heated up, and now look at him. Yeah, Again, doing what he did last year, turning it on, playing his best baseball, especially at the plate late in the year when they really need it. Anyway, so let's hear it now. This is the postgame press conference. Lamonis. Mangum and Jordan, and you will hear the questions in between. Uh, great night. Um, atmosphere, the, the way we played, the way they played. I mean, you got to tip your hat to Miami. Very talented team. That, man, they, they spent about the last 12 hours on that field. Um, but, man, our guys, I thought our starter, Peyton Plumley, was awesome. And then all the guys who ran out of the bullpen did their job, <clears throat> played great defense. And uh, some clutch hitting. I mean, we, we faced some really good arms tonight. I thought they threw some guys with, with really good stuff, and we just had some big hits. And um, nice to get Jake back in the mix. He was a big part of tonight uh, with some bigs. I'd, the last couple nights we've been talking bad about you, so no, you're good. But Jake was awesome tonight, and uh, just a fun night at the ballpark. <laughs> Again, we, uh, we have two microphones here for you. Megan's to my left, Carmen's to my right. We'll start with Steve in the middle, then we'll go to Joel. Jake, uh, four for four with uh, Super Regionals in your career, and you're part of the only program in the country to make Super Regionals four years in a row. Uh, your thoughts on that accomplishment when you look back over your legacy here? Well, it's, I mean, I like to think I helped, but it, it was, uh, it took a team effort all four years, you know. Uh, freshman year, we were loaded, big leaders all over the field. Sophomore year was Brent Rooker's historical year. Uh, junior year was a crazy ride, and this year, we, you know, it's just, it's going really smoothly all year. Um, you know, it's been a crazy four years, but uh, uh, that's because of the boys in the locker room. That's not just me, but it's, it's uh, awesome, and uh, look to keep going and staying hot. We'll go to Joel, third row in the middle. Jake, you hit the 35-foot tapper in front of the plate and beat it out at first base. I mean, what's the uh, – is there a weight lifted off your shoulders there? Did you feel different in the rest of your bats, the rest of the night, to kind of get that skid <coughs> out of the way? Just kind of what goes through your mind during, during the infield single and then the rest of the night? I mean, it was um, – it, it's just funny how baseball works, man. Uh, Coach Lamonis comes up here last night, says we're looking for a you know, Jake-type hit, which I took offense to. It's all right. <laughs> but, uh, you you know, get a lot of other good ones, but those, yeah, you get some yeah, of those yeah, too. Yeah. So. But, uh, you know, it, baseball's weird, you know. Right before I started struggling, I remember an article came out and there was a couple quotes from me saying, you know, if you keep playing hard, good things will happen. And then this, this, this scuffle started and, um, you know, the past four games – 
prior to tonight, the past four games haven't gone my way in the box, but you know, you know, we won two games in a regional. So I mean, I was I was happy as can be, and um, you know, I'd stay true to who I am. If you play the game the right way, play hard, good things are going to happen. And uh, I hit a ball 20 feet or four feet and beat it out. And baseball is the weird game it is. I started finding some barrels. We'll go to Tyler in front of Peyton here. Joel asked about the infield hit to the pitcher, but how good did that double feel? Because that, and I know you had the single in between those, but the double was the first one, like you said, that you really got a, a good barrel on it. Yeah. Um, well, after the infield hit, uh, the second hit was, was my bread and butter hit. Six hole, give what they, or take what they give me, you know. Ball on the outside part of the plate, uh, third baseman's playing in to cover the bunt. They're going to give me the six hole. That's just what I do. And when I got that hit, that was the one that was like, all right, you're back to the basics. Well, you know, let's start rolling. And then, I'm, you know, the next at bat was, uh, was a big one uh, because I knew Westberg was going to get the job done. Um, everyone on our team is going through scuffles, but the one thing that everyone has done is kept a positive attitude because we've been winning all year. You know, it's – it's it's miserable to be like struggling and losing, but when you're winning, <coughs> it's easy to stay positive, and uh, and that's that's a testament to the guys in the locker room. We'll go to Steve here, and then we'll go in front of him to Ben. Peyton, your team went to Omaha last year without you, and here you are tonight, closing out a regional championship game and uh, one of your final starts at Dirty Noble Field. What's what's the past year meant to you? Um, <clears throat> the past year was uh, was pretty tough on uh, myself and my family. Um, but I knew that uh, this is the place that I wanted to be and, and looking at other options was, was not going to be an option for me. Uh, I give a lot of credit to Coach Lamonis for having the faith and bringing me back, uh, having the faith in me all year, even though probably countless times I, I showed him that, I, that he shouldn't have faith in me. But uh, he kept his head up. I kept my head up. And, and playing in front of these fans just one more year has, has meant the absolute world to me and my family. And, and I, I give all credit to the guys and all the coaches. Peyton, this week obviously you didn't pitch in the SEC, you didn't get a start in the SEC tournament. How did you kind of stay fresh going into this start after not getting a start in basically two weeks? Well, uh, <clears throat> nothing really changes uh, between the lines with, with practice. Uh, you know, I still have to get my work in no matter what. I did get a chance to come in and, and pitch against Vanderbilt uh, for kind of a bullpen, so uh, that helped too. And obviously being in front of that uh, environment and Hoover helped prepare for this weekend. And uh, preparation leading up to this week, nothing really changed for me. Just just uh, staying true to myself and knowing what was going to work for me moving forward. We'll go to Logan on the uh, far left. Router, you've had some accolades over the first your first two years here, freshman All-American, things like that. But there was a lot of talented players took that field this weekend. You were the name, the MVP. What did that mean to you? Um, I mean, it just means a lot, you know. Had a good weekend, had three wins, um, you know, battled through some adversity in the beginning of the year. But, um, you know, to be the MVP this weekend it just means a lot that, um, you know, like Jake said, play hard and, you know, good things are going to happen. And, so I've been doing, and you know, it just feels good. We'll go to the back of the cameras with Tom. Peyton, obviously coming into this one, Miami put up ten runs in I think three straight games. What was your approach with them coming into this, and what was working? For you? <coughs> uh, well, looking at Miami's lineup, it kind of uh, resembled a lot to a team like Arkansas, who's super aggressive, and and you know, you had to make good pitches to to good hitters when, they, when you got a lineup full of them. Uh, I knew that the best way to be effective for myself was going to be able to was to move the two seam down the zone and keep it away from them because I know they're going to be big and aggressive and trying to pull the ball and uh, trying to hit home runs and doubles all night. Uh, I knew that if I could stay away from them and I can keep the ball down in the zone and make them move it to the defense, we play great defense. Uh, 
you know, the past, this whole year, really. And uh, I give a lot of credit to those guys behind me. But just seeing a lot of the big swings and, and taking advantage of their aggressiveness and, and uh, trying to get those guys out in three pitches or less. We'll go ahead back to Tyler here in the front. Peyton, what was it like waiting around all day for an 8 p.m. start and probably one of the biggest starts of your career? And then did you get the sense of how important this game meant to, to everybody that was there today when you were walking off the mound there in, in the sixth, I think it was? Yeah, uh, well, Slept till four. <laughs> yeah, so I, I did. I did sleep till about twelve o'clock. So I got some good rest. But uh, it's funny. I was talking to Coach Fox all before the game, and I, I told him that you know usually when I get to the field, I start kind of getting the jitters just leading up to any start that would be or any game really. And I told him today I felt really comfortable for some reason, and I didn't have those nerves just because you know just the comfortability with our guys, the way they were hitting the ball. I knew that if I if I went into the game and and kept it close and gave us a shot to win. The, the bats are going to pick me up, and that's exactly what happened. We'll go back again to the cameras and Tom, and then we'll go over to the front and bend. Pete, again, you mentioned the infield and a multiple, I think three double play balls were turned tonight. For a pitcher, I don't know how many were turned while you were on the mound, but what does that do for you on the hill in terms of confidence, having those guys being able to turn that in tough spots? Well, not only does it give does it give me a lot of confidence and a lot of momentum, but it, it gives our offense a lot of momentum. And any time you can turn double play to grab an inning, you get the crowd into it, you get the whole team into it, and ultimately <coughs> it, uh, it crumbles the other team. And it, and, it, and it puts a lot of pressure on them. And, you know, when you play in an environment like this, it's an environment like no other. And it's really hard to play when you got all you got 11,000 people yelling behind you. Again, to Ben, we got time for a couple more for the players, and then we'll go to questions for Coach. Jake, you talked all kind of week leading up to it. Talk, wanted to pack the house and bring people out there, live up to your expectations. And uh, what was it like getting out there within the, the new field? It didn't shock me, you know. Uh, we hosted a uh, regional and a super regional my freshman year, and, and they packed the place out, you know. Um, Mississippi State baseball, is, it means a lot to the people. Um, and, man, they, they came and they were loud. Um, you know, it. it you can't even like describe how much it helps. College baseball, you don't have stadiums like this, and um, you know when you get opposing teams come in here, it, it almost shell shocks you. You know, I mean, like I'm still not used to it. Like today, I mean, or last night, I remember like that first at bat, I was like, oh my gosh, this place is insane. It, I mean, it, it just erupted, and um, it, it, it helps a lot, and. Uh, and we got to ask them again. We, we'll see you all Friday night. Um, we need everybody to show up and, and help us get back to Omaha. Like, uh, it, it, their presence matters. Like, it does. And, and, uh, and it's, it's a big reason why we're here. Anything else? So that's uh, the post-game press conference last night. Chris Limonis. Um, excuse me. There's a little from Rowdy Jordan in there. You uh, had Peyton Plumley. In there as well, uh, talking about you know waiting until 8 p.m. to be able to you know finally play, which is unusual for baseball. You don't do that a ton. You know you're playing a lot earlier games, especially throughout the year. Sunday games you get to you know normally when he's pitching in a third start for the most part, especially regular season. You are you're looking at what one o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon. You're never pitching at 8 p.m. So it's something totally out of routine for him. You got to go deal with it. And Mangum talking about the atmosphere. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you what. Saturday night, that second game of the regional for state Central Michigan is the opponent. Stated, I think he scored 11 runs in the win over Southern. 
on Friday night or Friday in the middle of the day. Yeah. And then so they advance. And so they're in this winner's bracket game against uh, Central Michigan. And state fans packed it out Saturday night, 6 o'clock. You know, a lot of people there. They had 11,000 people there. It was actually the most people ever for a regional game. The previous records, you know, state and the old dude has these 14, 15,000 crowds. And they set these records, attendance records for college baseball. And those were either for like Super Bulldog weekend or for Super Regionals where the team is going to try to advance to Omaha. So as far as just the regional round and hosting it at Duty Noble, that Saturday night crowd of over 11,000, the most to ever be there for one of those. And yeah, you know, I was there kind of, Working, getting some crowd shots for a video we're putting together. And up comes Jake Mangum for that first at bat. And, I mean, the electricity in that place. And that's the other thing about it, too, is it's not just like a lot of stadiums you have noise and people and commotion and, like, electricity from the fans, but it's foul, it's not foul pole to foul pole. It's like base to base. It's like from third base around to first base, you know, in that grandstand. Some places do have fans in the outfield. But at that new ballpark, Saturday night, people were standing, rows deep standing, the entire 360 degrees surrounding that stadium. Like I had I had plans with one of these things you do a little, you know, time lapse type video where you kind of walk the circumference of the stadium, but you got to keep your camera focused on the playing surface the whole time you walk around the entire um, you know 360 of the field the problem is there were so many people there were times when you're walking and in order to walk through you're five six rows back you can't even really see the field because you're <laughs> you're having to look around so many people that were there just standing watching the game it's really the atmosphere is really incredible I do think it helps them Sure do. I got a text while ago. Somebody said, looking ahead of the forecast for the weekend, I'm not real sure what the weather looks like or could possibly look like for the weekend. This is what I would say about that. Is You know, I mean, obviously, this time of year, you just almost expect you're going to have days at a time where you know, thunderstorms pop up and they're here and they're gone and lightning and and all this. It is supposed to really, like, the forecast, anyway, as of right now, the temperatures are really going to cool down because you're going to have a lot of cloud cover. Right now, they're saying there's a 90% chance of rain on Thursday and a 90% chance of rain on Friday uh, there in Starkville. And then Saturday, there's 50. Sunday, there's 50. I mean, they're going to get it played. But I would also say, if you just kind of look throughout the year, they have been, I mean, just it's uncanny how accurate their decision-making has been based on certain weather patterns and availability. And, I mean, I know the natural thought is, look, they've got a national championship broadcast meteorology program at, at State. Well, look, you know, the broadcast part of it, it's the, it's the meteorology part of it. So how do you judge that? They've just – they've been able to – get some information throughout the year 
and it's been accurate as to when they should be on the field and when they should pull the tarp and how is it going to work. So yeah, they'll figure all that out. But it is different now. You start looking at possibly you could have game one of a Super Regional on a Friday on a day where there's 90% chance of rain and the temperatures are really going to cool off, be down there around 80. And what does that mean if you're looking at you're going to have long delays in the fourth inning and then look at putting Ethan Small back out there after that? You know, that's the one iffy, worry thing for a coach is do you get rain and it starts messing up your starts? Is it going to interrupt a good start for one of your pitchers? And, of course, the other team has to deal with it also. But especially on Friday when Ethan Small has been so dominant and you just you kind of count on him to be dominant every time. What if you're looking at a forecast where it could possibly rain it? I, I don't know. No, no, they'll figure it out, but that's kind of what they get. That's that's kind of what they get to do. More bully on the text line. How is the home team determined? In regionals and super regionals. Well, there's a little bit of consternation out there uh, about that in the baseball community and stuff. Apparently, the host team does not automatically get to be the home team in two of the games. I know last night, the reason Miami was the home team in the game is because they won a coin flip. Uh, maybe they do the same thing for the Super Regional, too. In a Super Regional, if you're the host team, there's a reason that you're hosting, and you ought to be the home team in two out of the three games every time. That makes the most sense. It's the way baseball is. It's crazy that they don't really do that. I, it's, why? All right, football next. Two nuggets of info, a list, and the countdown continues. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Here we go. What do y'all want to talk about? (laughs) I'm serious. Not what we talked about in the break. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about that. Oh, I forgot it earlier. You know, I, you have a tire story. Yeah, you know, we were somehow before the show began, Roger, you and I were talking, and tires came up. I forget what that was. Yeah, we were just talking about how you don't see retreads anymore. That's what it was. We, we or, and so many casings on the side of the road. Like you used to. <laughs> the the word retread came up. And then next, next thing you know, it was tires. And they were like, oh, yeah, I got to. So what happened with me, Roger, was I've been known to go way, way, way overboard trying to make tires last in my life. I've seen that in a, uh, on your expedition. You've got racing tires on there. <laughs> Look, it, basically, racing yeah, racing slick, tires. That's right. They're slick. They're pretty slick. They were pretty slick okay and the fact is i bought the most expensive set of tires i've ever bought in my life the last time which would have been about three years ago (laughs) and the guy told me 
man, you just about can't wear these out. <laughs> I'm like, okay. He said, no, really, they'll be great tires. He said, they will rot before the tread goes away on these things, really. And so I thought, well, I'm going to see, okay, challenge accepted. <laughs> well, they were great once I got them balanced. Now, side note, why is it so difficult for places that put on tires to balance the suckers the first time? I can't remember. the. I don't know if I've ever gotten a new set of tires pulled away and they were balanced and didn't wobble from the get-go. Same, you know, so you take them back and get them balanced and now you're good to go. I, I don't know. But anyway. Are you going to one of the big box stores? No. Mm-mm. I don't do that. So anyway, let me get back to the story because I, I make these things way longer than they should be. I understand that. Anyway, I've known for a year that I needed new tires, putting it off, putting it off, putting it off, because I'm my truck's got a lot of miles on it. I was not going to get the same expensive ones I got last time. About eight months ago, one of them, the right front, developed a knot. Didn't bust, but it developed a little knot on it. And wobbling. So I just switched out that tire with my spare. And I've been riding around on three tires and a spare for eight months. (laughs) Sounds like a blues song. (laughs) It really does. Roger, one of these days I'm going to release a blues album. And the name is going to be Three Tires and a Spare. Anyway. And so this weekend... I went out to the lake the other day, and when I got going on the road on the way home, I hear this noise, kind of like when you get a rock or something stuck in one tire, you know? You can barely feel it, and you hear it on every tap, rotation. Tap, 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 tap. Tap, tap, tap. tap, yeah. tap. Not flat. No, nothing like that, but I hear the tap, tap. I'm like, ah, I got a rock in it. I'll check it out when I get home. I get home, I check it. It's a great big roofing like nail with a big washer. Stuck right in one tire. Huge thing. Stuck right in one tire. I'm like, okay, fine. My wife says, this is God's way of telling you, get new tires. So I spend Saturday morning, all morning at the tire shop, getting a new set of tires. Paid for them. Drive away. Get it up to 70 miles an hour. Shakes my teeth out. (laughs) Oh, they're not balanced. Whatever. Okay, well, I have to deal with that later. I got stuff to do. I got ball games to go to. Get back home, park it. I'm leaving yesterday morning. Brand new set of tires. Paid for them the day before. I'm about to head to Sunday school. And guess what? The back the back left tire's flat. <laughs> now, it wasn't completely flat like rim on the ground flat, but it's flat, Roger. You couldn't drive it. Flat. Brand new tire. Flat. So I jack it up in the garage, put the spare on it, take this new tire. I'm looking at it. I can't see anything that would cause it to not have air. don't know. Valve stem, probably. Probably the stupid valve stem. The things aren't balanced. They, they have that new tire smell even, Roger. With all the nibs on them. Yes. And so I threw that thing in the back and... Now I'm about to drive a rental car for the next three days. I got places to go. I got to go to Kentucky and all this. I'm going to take care of it later. But I'm thinking I should shouldn't I just go back to the place I bought them and say, look, I, I bought these things on Saturday and paid paid you for them. 
and, and put them on, and number one, they're not balanced, and number two, one of them's flat. What should they do when I go? Should they say, well, it's not our problem. You could have run over something. Or should they just say, oh, we got it. We'll fix all of that. I'm going to go with B. Okay. Well, that's, you haven't given them a chance to do that yet, though, have you? I, right, and I won't until later in the week just because of my schedule. But I think the uh, faster you got back in there, the better, though. Uh, yeah, I know. Just for the, you know, the, well, and see, the thing I away from the day to purchase. The thing I don't want to do is while I'm out of town, get my wife to have to deal with it. I don't want her to have to deal with that. You might have better luck. Well, that's a good point, Can't Mr. Rogers. <laughs> Can't get any worse. Okay, uh, let's do this. The Today we are 89 days from August the 31st, so team number 89 on the college football team countdown is this one right here. EMU, the Eastern Michigan what? I'm not going to tell you. I bet none of y'all know the Eastern Michigan mascot, and it's simple. It should be the emus. (laughs) (laughs) It really should. The emus of EMU. Roger, you have nailed it, brother. How could they miss that? Well, they even went overeducated. They even went with the alliteration and went Eagles because they are Eastern E A. I mean Eastern E A. You know Eastern Michigan Eagles, but E M U should have been the Emus. Ain't no doubt about it. Roger nailed that one. Good eating too. Allegedly. <laughs> uh, Eastern Michigan. Are they in the MAC? Yeah, they're in the MAC. Right? Yep, they're in the MAC. They beat Monmouth. They had a win last year over Purdue. That was a big upset in week two. They beat a good Purdue, a bowl team in Purdue. At Purdue, 20-19 in week two. That was a big upset. Who was it? Purdue played somebody in a bowl game. Tennessee, Kentucky, somebody like that. Uh, But then they lost four in a row, including two overtime losses. They lost to Buffalo. They lost to San Diego State, who we previewed earlier. In overtime, they lost to uh, Northern Illinois in three overtimes, and then they lost at Western Michigan. So they started two and four, but then they won five of their next six games to finish the year. Beat Toledo and Ball State back-to-back, lost to Army, and finished up with wins over Central Michigan, Akron, and Kent State. Lost to Georgia Southern by two points in a bowl game. So there you go. And I was looking here. Let's see. I always do this. I just, I, I don't know. I find it interesting. Alumni, people that went to school at Eastern Michigan. Uh, how about this, Judge Mathis? You ever watch Judge Mathis on television? Yeah, I like him. I do too. Keeps it uh, 100. <laughs> Roger. I loved how you took the R out of there, the way we say it 100. Judge Greg Mathis, that's him. Went not to, to be confused with Curtis. <laughs> no, not to be. The great San Diego uh, Chargers tight end, Antonio Gates, played basketball at Eastern Michigan and then transformed into a great NFL football player. Just an incredible athlete. That's about it. You pretty much wouldn't recognize any of the rest of them. So Eastern Michigan, team number 89.
Done. Moving on. Tomorrow will be 88. A little more baseball for you and your phone calls and texts coming up next. Stick around. You're listening to the Mountain Wyatt Show. Here we go. Louvier text me. What a name, huh? Louvier. He texts me and he said, Matt, you would have been better served at Scotty's Tire and Automotive. Does he work there? I bet he works there. Is Louvier's real name Scotty? <laughs> What you want to bet? You got your free plug. You deserve it, Scotty. I mean, Louvier. Who is that? <laughs> See, I've met Louvier, so I know what he looks like. I just assumed his name was Louvier. That's what he told me his name was. That's what he said. There, uh, speaking of the all-name team, there was a uh, pitcher for Coastal Carolina yesterday whose name, I mean, this is great. He's the captain of the all-name team. His name is Alaska Abney. How cool would it be to go through life and your name is Alaska? Isn't that the best name ever? Alaska. Louvier. Walton texted the show, and he said, let's talk about anything in this world but politics, religion, and her. And then he, that's a quote from Sammy Kershaw. <laughs> I like it. Um, I like it. If you're, I got some more text to get to here. I'm coming at you. Joey, Fluffy, Hog Jowl, all of y'all. All of y'all, I'm coming. You can call me. I'd love to hear your voice. Where's Gator Greg today? The Gators got bounced from the NCAA tournament. I'd love to hear from Gator Greg. Y'all let him know. On the Divinity phone, 995-1059. It's a 601 area code, so give me a call. 995-1059. That's the Divinity Equipment phone line. Uh, I, I played this early on the show, and everybody listening now probably was not listening then. We've flipped it over since then. Y'all remember this one, I'm sure. Written and sung by a Mississippian. Yeah, just for nostalgia's sake. Listen to the first line of the song. It was the third of June, another sleepy, dusty delta day. There you go. I was out chopping Bobby Gentry, the singer. Who uh, did this back in the 60s? Billy Joe McAllister jumped off the Tallahatchie Bridge. Bobby Gentry, her real last name was Streeter. She was born in Woodland, Mississippi, right outside of Houston, up there in Chickasaw County. Yep. Billy Joe McAllister. It a, it's the 3rd of June. That's why I'm trying to tell you. Y'all know what day it is. Billy Joe McAllister jumped off the Tallahatchie Bridge. I love how the, how's your ask for the green or whatever that was. Yeah. 
pass. A little conversation over over supper. I know, and it's you so don't call it dinner, <laughs> and it's so realistic, yeah. too, as well. Slice of life, as is a slice of life, as is. On the Davini phone, Davini equipment. There he is. There's that man again. Chomp, chomp. Go, Gators! Gator Greg. A good Monday to you, sir. What's up? This is why it was just a a great weekend of of sports. Uh, I still hadn't figured out why the NCAA has got all the games that. Eight o'clock at night, uh, the, all the games, and then you couldn't even—I uh, couldn't find the Mississippi State game uh, even on the ESPN uh, app. So I have to call my friends at ESPN and get on them. But uh, yeah, just uh, uh, props to Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Uh, Mr. Wild, I think I told you back in, in as far as February that your team was going to Omaha. They're looking—they're mm-hmm. they, looking like they're going to go there. I mean, uh, you know, some folks should have some confidence there. Yeah. I don't know who you're going to end up playing. Uh, Probably more likely Stanford, but uh, that was that was a good ball game. I was impressed, and I tell you, Ole Miss, uh, boy, they look like a whole different team uh, since they uh, played in the SEC tournament. I mean, it's it's scary. What you could have five or six SEC teams there. Yep, that's the right. Set up. Mm-hmm. That's right. You've got six and, SEC teams in super regionals right now. One of them from the SEC East, Greg. Well, I mean, I, I'm you know I, I'm not a Florida State guy, but I am a Mike Martin guy. I'm mm. glad that he beat Georgia because Georgia's the most overrated team. Uh, uh, but uh, that's off Southern Miss too. Uh, oh Coach no Spide, doubt, their team gave it everything they had. It's just great to see it. Uh, Miss Lyman, go ahead and call it. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU, Vanderbilt, and Auburn will all make it to Omaha along with UCLA. Uh, and what the East Carolina would probably be your little uh, dark horse, and then Texas Tech. Hey, you know the Gators are going to win on Sunday when they were playing the Baptists. They just were doomed uh, because they were playing Dallas Baptist. But uh, great, you, you made me uh, listen to this show has made me become a closet college baseball fan. This is why we'll probably see you and Roger out in Omaha. You Atta guys boy. have a great show. You too, Greg. Thank you so much. He said, "You knew the Gators weren't going to win on Sunday because they were playing the Baptists." <laughs> Dennis Madness. Um, let me go fast, fast, fast here. Mountain Dog had some questions. Uh, the new wide receiver from Kansas State transferring into Mississippi State, Isaiah Zuber. I got a film study video coming for you, so look me up on YouTube, youtube.com slash Matt Wyatt Media, and follow me on Twitter at Radio Wyatt. I'll get that out to you soon. He wants to know if Tommy Stevens is on campus and practicing. Yes, he is there. He's on campus. Uh, confirm that. As far as other transfers, I don't know. Hogjowl says, man, you must be buying tires at the wrong place. He said, every set of tires I bought in the last 30 years have been properly balanced when you bought them. Well, these weren't. Um, I got more texts to get to. I'll speed through those. But Winslow is hanging on the Divini phone right now in Jackson on the Divini equipment phone. What's up, Winslow? Hey, Matt. How you doing? I'm just right. I don't know. I don't know if anybody called in earlier, but there was a movie, I think it came out in summer of 76, with Robbie Benson and Glennis O'Connor that uh, owed to Billy Joe. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I've always thought that they were they were at the lunch table. You know, country people call lunch dinner, and they call dinner supper. 
That's and right. So a lot, of, a lot of people have misunderstood that song. I think I think they were they were around lunch because there's a mention of still work to do that the rest of that day before the day's in or something like that. Yeah. And so I, I think it was actually the midday meal that they were they were having this conversation. But uh, that's all I had today, Matt. Cool. I, I thank you, Winslow, because yeah, you know, I brought that up. I thought I remembered at some point I caught a movie that was um, based on that song. That's a, a while back. But, yeah, a little history that uh, hits close to home. Yeah, we were talking about the all-name team. Alaska Abney, pitcher, Coastal Carolina. And uh, somebody texts the show here and says, speaking of names, what about the high school football player in California? His name is General Booty. It's a true story. It is a true story. Did you know, Roger, that I believe he's at Arkansas? I believe it's the kid is playing for the University of Arkansas football. His name is Bumper Pool. <laughs> you can't make it up. No way. His name is <laughs> His name is Bumper Pool. Wonder what his brother's name is. It's not swimming. We know that. <laughs> Eight ball. <laughs> Tepid. <laughs> Sess. His brother Sess. <laughs> I know. It's off the. Lamangelo and Arangelo. Yeah, right. Names. I swore that when I was a kid. So we're talking 30, 35 years ago. That when I was a kid, there was a guy playing at LSU named Benadryl Thompson. If you switch two letters, it's spelled Benadryl. <laughs> <laughs> Could have sworn that's true. Maybe I dreamed it up. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. Alaska Abney. Man, that's a great name. And when I posted that yesterday, that this kid for Coastal Carolina is pitching, is on the all-named. When, when he gets high, you call him Baked Alaska. Well, I'd say Brett Hudson commented on that. I said, imagine when he sunburns, they could call him, you know, hashtag baked Alaska. But Cole Kubelik responded to him, buddy who's on the SEC network, played at Auburn, and he's over there in Birmingham on the radio. And he sent me, there was a, uh, a girl who played softball for Washington in the NCAA tournament, and her first name is Silent Train. It's spelled. S-I-L-E-N-T-R-A-I-N. So there's only one T in there. So it's Silent Rain. So, yeah, or Silent Rain or Silent Train, depending on how you pronounce the T-R. It's either Silent Rain or Silent Train. <laughs> Espinosa. Her last name's Espinosa. But her first name is either Silent Rain or Silent Train. But Silent Rain would be two words, yeah. She really is the captain on the all-name team. Right up there. Some, with, more, some more funny names coming out of Colorado if they get the magic mushroom bill passed. <laughs> no doubt. <clears throat> Alaska Abney. I mean, that's like a name of an old Western hero. You have a guy named General out there, didn't you? General, yeah. Known a lot of majors over the years. Major General. Major General, yeah. <laughs> that's a good song. All right. Enough for the Monday show. We out. See y'all tomorrow. See ya. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.